Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And I encourage you to visit the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon. In fact, replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm so grateful. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is April the 7th, and on this day in 1994, violence fueled a launch of what may become the worst episode of genocide since World War II, the massacre of an estimated 500,000 to a million innocent civilian Tutsis and moderate Hutus. Following the first wave of massacres, Rwandan forces managed to discourage international invention with the murder of 10 Belgian peacekeeping officers. The uh, Tutsis, a minority group that made up about 10% of Rwanda's population, received no assistance from international community, although the United Nations later conceded that a mere 5,000 soldiers deployed at the outset would have stopped the wholesale slaughter. Can you imagine that? The immediate roots of the uh, 1994 genocide dated back to the early 1990s when President uh, Habiara uh, Hudu began making anti-Tutsi rhetoric to consolidate his power among the Hutus. Beginning in October 1990, there were several massacres of hundreds of Tutsis. Uh, although the two ethnic groups were very similar, sharing the same language and culture for centuries, the law required registration based on ethnicity, identity politics. The government and army uh, began to assemble the uh, group, which was uh, in Tutsi, we was uh, all those who attacked together and prepared for elimination of the Tutsis by arming Hutus with guns and machetes. In January 1994, the United Nations forces in Rwanda warned that larger massacres were imminent. On April 6, 1994, the president was killed when his plane was shot down. It's not known if the attack was carried out by the Rwandan Patriotic Front, a Tutsi military organization stationed outside the country at the time, or by Hutu extremists, trying to instigate a mass killing. In any event, Hudu extremists and military led by Colonel Bagasora immediately went into action, murdering Tutsis and moderate Hutus within hours of the crash. The Belgian peacekeepers were killed the next day, a key factor in the withdrawal of UN forces from Rwanda. Soon afterward, the radio stations in Rwanda were broadcasting appeals to the Hudu majority to kill all Tutsis in the country. The army and the national police directed the slaughter, sometimes threatening Hudu civilians with persuasion when it didn't work. Thousands of innocent people were hacked to death with machetes by their neighbors. Despite the horrific crimes, the international community, including the United States, hesitated to take any action. They wrongly ascribed the genocide to chaos amid tribal war. President Bill Clinton later called America's failure to do anything to stop the genocide the biggest regret of his administration. If it left to the RPF, led by Paul Kagame, uh, to begin an ultimately successful military campaign for control of Rwanda, by the summer, the RPF had defeated the Hutu forces and driven them out of the country and into several neighboring nations. However, by that time, an estimated 75% of Tutsis living in Rwanda had been murdered. What a debacle. Sad story here, again, is that this is within human nature for something like this to happen because of identity politics, if you can believe that. Just think about that. We all have a darker side. That's why we have laws, and that's why we should have the rule of law, and people should be required to abide by the rules of law. And uh, otherwise, we can de-escalate into something or dip into the depths of depravity of human nature where something like this could happen. Unfortunate. Governor Ron DeSantis signed SB 988, the No Patient Left Behind, Left Alone Act, to guarantee Florida families the fundamental right to visit their loved ones 
who are receiving care in hospitals, hospices, and long-term care facilities. No healthcare facility in Florida may require a vaccine as a condition of visitation, and every healthcare facility must allow their residents and patients to be hugged by their loved ones. Common sense, but it took a law, didn't it, in, in this environment. Throughout the pandemic, the federal government has waived protections for families to visit their loved ones in hospitals and long-term care facilities. That is unacceptable, said Governor Ron DeSantis. Here in Florida, we recognize that families and human connection is one of the most important aspects of physical, mental, and emotional well-being, and we are ensuring Floridian, Floridians are never again denied the right to see their relatives and friends when in hospitals and nursing homes. The bill states that uh, healthcare facilities must allow in-person visitation in all of the following circumstances unless resident, client, or patient objects. End-of-life situations. If a resident, client, or patient who is living in the family before has admitted to the provider's care is struggling with the change in environment, lack of person uh, in-person family support. Uh, and there are a number of reasons here why <clears throat> people should be able to visit someone in the, the hospital or a long-term care facility. Additionally, the bill allows a resident, client, or patient the option to designate a visitor who is a family member, friend, or guardian, or other individual as an essential caregiver. The provider must allow in-person visitation by the essential caregiver for at least two hours daily, in addition to any other visitation authorized by the provider. By May 6, all Florida hospitals, hospices, nursing homes, and assisted living facilities and intermediate care facilities for the development of disabled and must adopt and policy post their uh, visitation policy in an easily accessible format on the homepage of their website. A very positive step forward, again, governor creating more humane circumstances. I, I find it ironic, however, that I looked in Naples Daily, Naples Daily News this morning and uh, the accusations of the governor uh, being uh, very... Uh, uh, dictatorial in, in uh, what's happened with the state house and what's what happened with the Senate, state Senate, and the laws that have been passed. It's such an ironic uh, article and actually accuses him of what the Democrats would do <laughs> if, if they were in power. The donkey press, no wonder they're losing all of their, uh, their uh, patrons. Uh, nobody wants to read it because it's so liberal. Representative Matt Getz uh, grilled Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on military wokeness, prompting a fiery exchange between the two during a House Armed Services Committee on Tuesday. And I'm, I want to review this because I think it's a message that needs to be heard by the military. Specifically, Getz demanded an uh, answer as to why the Pentagon's National Defense University, which is funded by U.S. taxpayers, hosted a lecture in February on why socialism was the answer, answer to combating China. The lecture first reported by Breitbart News on February 11th was given by French socialist Tom Pateki to uh, members of the military future top leaders attending the school. Secretary Austin, why should American taxpayers fund lectures at the National Defense University that promotes socialism as a strategy to combat China? Austin responded, the National Defense University is an academic institution. And I don't know of any such lecture, he said. Gets called the response surprising since it was widely reported, and he added, would you agree that embracing socialism is not an effective strategy to combat uh, China? Austin said certainly he did not agree with embracing socialism before top Democrat and Chairman Adam Smith tried to interrupt the questioning. Under further questioning, Austin again denied embracing socialism. Gets asked Austin why the Pentagon should be funded at President Biden's request of $773 billion when its leadership has blown calls on strategy. You guys told us the Russians couldn't lose. You told us that the Taliban couldn't immediately win. And so I guess I'm wondering, what is the $773 billion that you're requesting today is going to help you make assessments that are accurate in the face of so many blown calls, gets asked Austin. Didn't matter what he replied, but Getz was making a point, wasn't he? And I think I certainly agree with it. Austin first uh, tried to demur, saying, you've seen how the budget matches our strategy, and so I'll speak. let that speak for itself. However, things escalated from there. Getz also pointed out how the U.S. was also behind China and Russia on the development of hypersonic missiles. Austin asked how he, uh, he made that assessment. Getz retorted, I made that assessment because Russia actually used one. And by the way, your own people briefed us that they are behind in China and winning. Are you aware of the briefings we get on hypersonics? 
Austin immediately tested, uh, responded testily. I'm certainly aware of the briefings we provide Congress. Gets brought up China's bullying of Taiwan and North Korea's uh, record missile testing over the past year. While everyone else in the world seems to be developing capabilities and being more strategic, we got time to embrace critical race theory at West Point, to embrace socialism at the National Defense University, to do mandatory pronoun training, he said. After uh, Austin got defensive and accused Getz of being embarrassed by his country and military, Getz fired back, oh, no, 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 I'm embarrassed by your leadership. I'm not embarrassed by my country. I wish we were not losing to China, he added. That is so disgraceful that you'd sit there and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. You guys said that. The Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls, and maybe you would be better off at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and less on wokeism. I saw that Obama administration tried to destroy our military by starving it of resources, and it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force-feeding it wokeism. I yield back, Getz said. Proud of you, man. That was a <laughs> No matter what his response was, you made a great point, and I'm happy you did. Hopefully he heard it and is embarrassed uh, by the results of his leadership. Well, as top oil executives testified before the House Energy and Commerce Committee on Wednesday, several Republican uh, senators blasted the notion that the oil industry or the war in Ukraine is to blame for soaring gas prices. GOP senators called the hearing a kangaroo court, as Senator uh, Ted Cruz put it, to distract the Biden administration's failed energy policies at the press conference about rising gas prices. Today in the House, the far-left climate elitists are holding another hearing with energy company executives, said Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming. They have amnesia because they were having a similar hearing in October, except that then they were yelling at the Octo in October was that you shouldn't produce more energy, you don't produce more. Uh, today they're bow browbeating them to produce more. This is unbelievable. Oklahoma Senator James Lankford said, accusing the energy companies of price gouging discounts the fact that President Joe Biden got rid of the Keystone Pipeline on the first day in office. Over in the House of Representatives, they're dragging in oil executives and saying you're gouging prices. Well, actually, let's look at the math. One day of the Biden administration, they stepped up and canceled the Keystone Pipeline, he said. Cruz also said the strangle on oil in the United States is exactly what the Democrats wanted. I've got to say it, the kangaroo court that was playing out in the House is particularly amusing because you have Democrats yelling at oil companies, why aren't you investing more capital? Well, quite frankly, I agree with Mr. Cruz, with Senator Cruz on this one, because why would you invest capital when you know your country is trying to do away with the type of energy produced by carbon-based fuels? Makes no sense whatsoever. It's time we get to the bottom of why oil companies are content to watch Americans suffer so their shareholders and executives can reap enormous profits. That's House Energy and Commerce Committee Chairman Frank Pallone said in a statement last month. Unbelievable. These guys just basically, I think they should go to economics class and see what's really going on. It's got nothing to do with price gouging and everything to do with bad policy from this Biden administration. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. 
Ulubi's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, the founder, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we're a uh, coalition uh, now of well over 100 groups and, and 110,000 people and growing uh, that focus on K-12 through education here in the state of Florida. Uh, and when I say focus, uh, our, the primary is areas we get involved with uh, legislative uh, uh, education issues. We made uh, seven trips in total between Pastor Rick and myself to Tallahassee this year. Um, we also uh, got involved in a number of the legislative actions. Um, but in general, to, to back up just a little bit, we're basically fighting uh, the CRT in our schools, the pornography in our schools, the fact that our, our schools are not focused on academics, they're focused on a bunch of political stuff like LGBTQ. Um, so those are some of the kinds of things we uh, focus on. But we're, we're, our major focus is, uh, in, in, in parallel with that, is solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, you can gripe all day long about what's going on, but what are the solutions to some of those issues? And we're big supporters of Florida scholarships and and uh, homeschool programs here in Florida, et cetera. Oh, you know, I just it just occurred to me uh, something that I read. The uh, this administration, I'm talking about the Biden administration, wants to have a type a top down program to make it more difficult to open open charter schools and to to somehow throttle school choice. Very concerning. I don't know if uh, if uh, we're looking at. That. I don't know. Did you hear about that? No, I haven't heard about it, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. No, it's a... uh, but with Governor DeSantis there. Um, you know, I, I, I would expect that it won't gain much traction here in the state of Florida because we're moving aggressively in the opposite direction. But well, I would reflect how, how, how much things could be different. You know, uh, elections have consequences. Can you imagine where we'd be if Gillum got elected? Oh, my goodness. It would be just a total disaster. And we have such a terrific governor. And uh, uh, this the proposal, by the way, would have it, have it that uh, you would have to a charter school would have to be sponsored or, or partnered with a public school. Yeah. <laughs> you can't believe the rules they made up. Anyhow, you're doing some hard work. You've got your uh, shoulder to the wheel working on uh, textbooks. Maybe you could tell our listeners about it. Yeah, we're working in a number of areas. We, um, uh, right here in Collier County and in several places across the state, um, the school districts are trying to adopt uh, math books. Uh, here in Collier County, they're actually uh, uh, trying to adopt uh, English language arts books that they didn't last year because of COVID. So we're here in Collier, um, 
Um, they're adopting K through 12 math books and they're adopting grade six through 12 English language arts books. Uh, we have volunteers. Uh, we're up over a dozen now who are evaluating those books. Uh, the process that we got passed by in, into law back in 2017 uh, across the state says that, uh, it, that they have, once they adopt the books, they have to give residents, not just parents, but residents of the county 30 days uh, to evaluate those. And if there are objections, then they have to engage an independent hearing officer. Um, you know, we're um, already indications that we're finding um, significant amounts of critical race theory and and uh, just flat out in the math books, just flat out crazy math. And so I suspect that we'll be documenting that and forcing a hearing in the, in the month of May. So that's a major effort. Um, we're also working on forums here in Collier County. We're at, we're now Florida Citizens Alliance has scheduled five forums, three for school board and two for county commission and they're all on our website so first one is in marco island on the 26th for school board so i invite your listeners to go to our website and uh, check those out and come join us and I, you always hear that this is the most important election coming up but if we don't uh, capitalize on the anger that's out there in school boards and uh, and, and and elect people that are true uh, conservatives and get us out of the mess we're in. Um, you know, this. Uh, I, 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 it, it may sound like hyperbole, uh, but I think uh, it, it dictates the end of our now, uh, republic. Yeah, you know, I like to pile on a little bit because uh, you know here we are, one of the conservative bastions of uh, Florida, here in Cuyahoga County, and yet we have a very liberal school board and liberal uh, super uh, superintendent of schools, in my opinion. And uh, how did that happen? And we, here we spend the largest bud budget item we have in Collier County is how, the money we pay into schools, over a billion dollars a year from taxpayers. And uh, th this should be a different result. And I think it's strictly because of apathy on the part of taxpayers not paying attention to what's happening in leadership. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, having been at this for almost 10 years now, uh, but I think there, I mean, I'm, uh, there's clearly across the state and, and locally a, 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 a much more focused sense of, yeah. uh, of understanding how bad things really have gotten. Uh, but don't underestimate the power of, uh, of the unions and uh, the left uh, to, um, to, to elect the, uh, the, the same folks that have been leading us down this path. So. Uh, absolutely. So anyway, for our listeners, uh, you know, you're, you're reviewing math books. I mean, how much, how, how much math is math? I mean, how, how can there be, why would you have to review math books for, for crying out loud uh, to make sure that there's not uh, material in them that shouldn't be there? Well, and what we're finding, uh, finding are examples that just um, the problems that kids are asked to solve are stated in a uh, very biased uh, way. Uh, one example I like to use just to paint the story. Um, if, if you give a, a class um, an example of math to solve, you know, you have, uh, you have five black kids in the class, nine uh, Hispanics and 13 whites, what percentage of the class is uh, uh, are minorities? I mean, that's critical race theory. Mm -hmm. You know, you're segmenting and that and, and and, and dividing people along the lines of race. Yeah. So what they're using is they're using the problems that kids are asked to be to solve, to portray, um, you know, critical race theory and 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 left wing. I mean, we're finding huge examples around, uh, um, you know, the, the, the um, global warming. Yeah. An example. Uh, and and they're all one sided, right? They're not balanced. So I would imagine you could use a, f a few hands on in terms of take, taking on this project. If you want to go to, uh, if you want to participate and support the, the effort to review textbooks, you can go to the website, goflca.com, goflca.com. You know, Keith, I always appreciate your commentary and especially appreciate the hard work and the great results you're getting in Tallahassee in terms of our public schools. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob, for giving us an opportunity to share what we do. Absolutely. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot perf- performing arts center in downtown Naples and bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. In fact, uh, right now, Invisible Hand is running. It's a real thriller, very exciting. And you get tickets now by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's a big a, job. A big field in front of us. <laughs> it's a big um, job. <laughs> It is. It's certainly a big job. So, Seton, uh, you wrote a piece that I found really interesting. Immigration, awful trade deals, spending and inflation. D.C. keeps making the wealth gap wider. D.C. does that, and they're always talking about equity. Tell us about it. Yeah, you hear about you know income inequality or the wealth gap, and, and, and you know, you know, most conservatives, when they hear it from a, an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders, they roll their eyes and, and just dismiss it, and that's a mistake. Yeah, because it does exist. Um, it's not. It's not for the reasons Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders uh, say, but there's a reason Bernie Sanders has support. Is because there is a wealth gap, and government policy has created it. Um, now, there's always going to be a wealth gap. You know. Um, Someone with 120 IQ is going to do a little better than someone with an 80 IQ. I mean, that's just how it's going to go. But what you need is equitable government policy. And what we haven't had from D.C. for half a century plus is equitable government policy. Um, I've done a lot of research on this, and I think the cronyism, the big business cronyism that started buying up D.C. started in the early 70s, so basically my entire existence on this planet. Um, and as we've done that, you've had less equitable policies. You've had more crony policies. Mm-hmm. You know, we mistook – there's a great line, and I can't remember who said it, but it's like we've, we've forsaken the things that made, thing, that made America great for the things that made America rich. Hmm. And we get lesser and lesser numbers of people are getting rich as a result of these policies. You know, we confused Wall Street doing well with the country doing well. Mm-hmm. 
And so in the early 70s, we started saying, hey, look, you know, we're doing so well as a country, you know, so much better than the rest of the world, because as we discussed earlier in the week, we were the only ones that were unscathed by World War II. So for two decades, we were just light years ahead of everybody. Well, then big business in the United States said, well, we can make any, you know, we can manufacture what we're making cheaper anywhere else on the planet. Mm-hmm. So they started bribing D.C. to negotiate terrible one-sided trade deals and, 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 and move out of the country and take with them their tens of millions of jobs over the many decades to follow. And that hollowed out, uh, the, especially the working class, the, you know, the blue-collar. Uh, there's a reason the blue-collar loves Trump. Yeah, It's because for the first time in 50 years, their wages went up. And jobs became more plentiful, which, of course, go hand in hand. If there's less labor and more jobs, the the wages go up to attract uh, people. Uh, He also did that by slowing down both illegal and legal immigration. Right. Because, you know, especially if you're mass importing the third world, they're the ones competing with working class, lower wage, for, for working class, lower wage jobs with Americans. He slowed that down. That helped the lower end for the first time in half a century, because as we know, uh, awful trade policy has been bipartisan. Awful immigration policy has been bipartisan. Now we get to the budget side of D.C., and that's where Trump dropped the ball. Uh, Spending and uh, spending, increased spending, you know, you can create wealth, but at any given moment, there's a competition for the dollars yep. or the yen, the yuan, or the uh, ruble or whatever. And if the government is spending it, it's not available because you know, they're borrowing it on the private market. They're, they're removing it from private sector use. You can't go get a loan for your farm because the government's borrowing the money. Mm. Um, and additionally, when they run out of people to borrow from, they just start printing it. Yep. And 80% of the money currently in circulation was printed in the last two years. Yeah, I did just yeah, say... Yeah, we have inflation. Yeah, this is... Inflation hurts the working class worse. Yeah, I'd be trying... Well, as I say in the piece, the government... Only rich people can afford big government. Right. And, and the gap between the wealthy and everybody else is only as big or as small as the government is. Yeah. And the, more, the bigger government gets, the bigger the wedge gets... And more people fall from above the line to below the line because they can no longer afford the size of government we have. Right. And so all of these things have contributed to this. Get into spending and inflation, especially spending, it's a capital market. You're going on to the capital market to borrow money. If the government's swallowing it all to service its ever-increasing debt, there's less for the private sector. And then, of course... It becomes a seller's market, meaning the lenders can be more choosy in, in to whom they lend money. Right. And, and and right now the system is so rigged that, that literally billionaires are borrowing money against their art collections because the interest rates are so low. And they're just doing that rather than, you know, there's, there's, the, the interest rates are so low, it's, they're using their money to make more money and borrowing money to, to, to live. Right. To operate, of course, they're swallowing up capital that poor people need and, re- and regular people need. Right. And, uh, you know, then we had the 2008 housing crash, and government passes a really dumb law called Dodd-Frank, which was supposed to address too-big-to-fail, and what it did was it protected and expanded too-big-to-fail banks. Yeah. Uh, thousands of small community banks, the ones that lend to non-billionaires, the one that led to working-class people, have been killed, murdered by Dodd-Frank. Because, again, it made banking much more government-intensive, and that made the small guys less and less capable of coping with it, and they all went out of business. Right. Poor people had one outlet to get loans, and, and government killed it. So, of course, you know, the, the market of horrors of vacuum, up come payday lenders, which lend money to poor people. 
Um, of course, they le- they lend it short term, very short term. You know, the reason they're called payday lenders is your car breaks down on Monday, you don't get paid till Friday, you borrow money for four days, right? And then you pay it back. Well, because of the, because of the nature of the lend the borrower, low low income, probably low credit, and because of the short term nature of the loan, the interest rates are high. Right. Now it sounds awful when you hear you know forty percent loan. But it's only a few dollars for a week, so it's, it doesn't... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing. You know, they, and, and I point out in the piece, I have a much better average income. I have an 800 credit score, and my credit card is almost 20%. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's completely outrageous compared to what I'm paying for my... And by the way, I've used this credit card for everything for years because it's 2% back, right? Right, right. I, I, I use it for just about every purchase I possibly can every month, and I pay it off every month. So they lo- they should love me. Right. And I still pay 20% interest yeah. if I ever have. I've screwed up a couple times and missed a payment, and I get crushed with this. Int- I'm like, what the? I pay <laughs> you every month, you clowns. So, um, so, it, so that's the situation. Well, now we've got pe- people in Congress Looking again at that interest rate, the, the payday lender interest rate, not looking at the market, not looking at the niche it serves in the market, not looking at the circumstances around that rate, the low credit rating, low income, and the very short-term nature of the loan, and saying, we need to cap right. the, 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 the loans. Well, we know what happens when government caps things, price caps things. It, the right, thing, they, they murder the thing they're price capping. Well, you know, the greatest example, it was, you know, and we're probably going to hear talk about it again very soon, was in the, in the 70s when they, when they put caps on gasoline. Gasoline, price. right. Seaton, we got to, I got to run. For, you know, you, you, you had to wait all day, and then they limited you to like two gallons when you got to the pump yeah, final. Right. I want to re- just refer our listeners to your website because of the, the column is great. It's lessgovernment.org. You can also follow Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he replaced both of my knees in 2006. So we're going to get a view of the, uh, from the trenches on exactly what's happening in healthcare. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. 
back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You just heard the commercial, Dr. George Markovich, uh, with orthopedic surgery, replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm forever grateful. He just did a great job, and I'm now much more mobile. I'm able to do many things that I couldn't do before that. And we have him on the phone right now, Dr. Markovich. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good morning. Good morning to you. Say, I don't know, did you see the uh, Obama showed up at the White House this uh, this week? <laughs> I I saw, you know, some footage, and certainly I, I heard about, uh, you know, him... Uh, uh, preening around the place that he used to uh, be, and uh, it was quite a spectacle. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, to me, though, it was so sad and so pathetic to see the president of the United States kind of looking to get attention, trying to tap Obama on the shoulder, saying, hey, what about me? And he just sloughed him off. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was incredible, but not surprising. Yeah. Um, I think that you have, uh, you know, the the people that ran the Obama White House uh, in place and entrenched, and quite frankly, uh, our current president uh, doesn't seem to be all there, as far as I'm concerned. And you had a guy that has a tremendous ego celebrating, uh, you know, Obamacare, which was probably among the worst pieces of legislation in our nation's history. You know, I'd like to, if you may, if you would, uh, flesh that out a little bit. It's been a long time since we've talked about Obamacare. But uh, the, as I understand it, they're growing the roles of Obamacare primarily because they're increasing the income that people can make in order to qualify for the subsidy coming for Obamacare. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts uh, have not changed very much. I've just, uh, you know, had to live through some of the consequences of it. But initially, I thought this was a transitional type of approach uh, leading to socialization of health care predicated on lies and deceit. And um, I think that's been proven. Yeah. Uh, but it got passed, and probably uh, but for two individuals, John McCain and John Roberts, it, it would have been uh, changed significantly and overturned and gotten rid of for more market-based reasonable approaches. That being said, <clears throat> the, the cost, I don't think, has decreased at all for a lot of people. Uh, there's been loss of company-sponsored health plans, tax penalties, shrinking networks, and they seem to be pursuing this approach where uh, everybody gets Medicaid, basically. And, you know, uh, Bob, I don't like to eat at McDonald's. Uh, you know, I don't uh, prevent McDonald's from having stores, mm -hmm. and I don't hold anything against people that want to eat a Big Mac. Uh, but I don't want to eat a Big Mac, mm -hmm. and I shouldn't be forced to. Yeah, no, no question about it. And in terms of your practice, uh, doctor, uh, along with Obamacare came certain mandates and privileges that people had as a result of uh, Obamacare. How did it impact? your practice in terms of, you know, what you have to do and uh, how you run your practice? So we just had to basically be subject to massive amounts of regulation, and it changed the way we do things. Uh, we had to spend less time with our patients uh, to uh, point and click, uh, oftentimes pointless things, in order to uh, uh, stay within these uh, rules that were designed to make people inefficient and for you to see less patients. And mm. so I think that, you know, savvy people know how to continue to do their job effectively, efficiently, and optimally. And I think we've adapted that way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the thing about Obamacare that was always troubling is people had this perception that they got an, a good insurance product. So when they walked into a doctor's office, let's say somebody had headaches and they walk into a neurologist's office, and uh, a experienced and uh, credible neurologist does an examination. My dad was a neurologist, so I, I think I'm just throwing out that example. Yeah. And they tell somebody, you know, adopt a healthy lifestyle, quit smoke, and uh, do the things that will likely get rid of your headache. And the person comes back and says, well, I have insurance now, and I demand a CT scan or an MRI scan. Uh. And, and I think that created a lot of issues that we're still uh, grappling with. Um, there's this uh, assumption that, that people aren't going to get their care. And, and I think that 
people that have been in the trenches for a long time um, go beyond that. We want to help people. We want to take care of patients. But we don't want to be forced to do things that we know that are either wrong or not indicated. And, and so, you know, I, I had a lady, you know, who, who sent me a check uh, this week uh, for care that she got in 2008, uh, you know, and I hadn't seen her in years and years and years. And, and she finally reached a point where uh, her significant other passed and she felt obligated to pay a debt. That's extraordinary. Yeah. You know? and, and that's OK, because back in 2008, I didn't even think about whether she can pay me at that point or ever. Mm-hmm. We, as a profession, do that day in and day out. And what Obamacare and, and you know, uh, certain public officials have created is a way to penalize that kind of approach and, and make you into a drone that makes it much harder to provide care. Yeah. You know, I must say, though, as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, I actually have some compassion for doctors who are forced to follow some of the mandates from the CDC with this uh, pandemic and th- what has recently occurred. I mean, your your discipline is, is pretty clear. You're, you're making people better by, uh, by uh, helping them with their joint pain and so forth. But they, in some cases, they, you know, if you had to go to the hospital because of, of uh, the virus, you know, they were mandated. They can't give a, a hydroxychloroquine, can't use a, some of the other therapeutics that might be beneficial. And the consequence is that it politicized the medical profession. Well, I think Obamacare started that. And it started, I think, this discourse in public policy and how government functions that really blew the lid off of civility and, and common sense. Yeah. And uh, it, it it's present to this day. And um, what you just said is right on, and, and expand that to all other things. What what I think the p- pandemic taught us more than anything is sick people get sick. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that you can do to avoid getting sick that make sense. And it's not a vaccine as much as it is a lot of other things that prime your immune system and uh, keep you away from uh, uh, increased risk. And the people that were mostly at risk are the, were the elderly, the diabetics, the people with comorbidities, the obese, and so forth. Now, that is just probabilities and statistics and, and, and you know, what epidemiologists have known forever. Right. But it changed immensely because people saw an opportunity to push a narrative. And that is shameful. It is indeed. Dr. George Markovich, I'll be forever grateful for the work that you did in uh, replacing both of my knees and taking care of me until the point that we that we needed to do this. And uh, just uh, if uh, you have joint pain, if you're experiencing some discomfort, you shouldn't live with pain. And uh, you can visit uh, Dr. George Markovich. Give him a call at 482-5399, 482-5399. Doctor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. It's always about quality of life. Thank, thank, you, so thank you so much indeed. All right, coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, a pleasure on most Thursdays. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For for last week. Once in a while, we got to miss one, right? That's exactly right. Stuff happens, Bill. So, as as the yep, old saying goes, yep, it does. It does. So, uh, so yeah, go I, ahead. I was just, uh, I was just <laughs> reading you the, the 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 copy of the New York Post this morning, uh, where it's big headlines. Father knows worst, uh, and uh, it says Joe Biden claims he knew nothing about Hunter's business. Here's 12 times he did, and they go on to listen. It's like, oh, my gosh, man, poor Joe. Well, I would say this. I mean, this story broke before the election, a couple of weeks before the election. The New York Post came out with uh, with a story about Hunter Biden. And, uh, right. And uh, the mainstream media just ran interference, as well as the social media, and Correct. didn't publish any of the information. It's just curious to me, Bill, why— all of a sudden, they seem to be turning on. They, they could have c- continued to cover this up if they chose to, but they're not doing it anymore. What's well now? New York Post, of course, they're the ones that exposed it in the first place. So, right, uh, right. They, they weren't part of the cover up. So, I want to make sure that uh, that's clear. But what do you think's going on? You know, that's what I've been trying to figure out because I, I, I am for. I can be criticized for this, but I, uh, I happen to be a fan of the Post, but. Not just because of what the <laughs> the post does, but they probably have the best sports of any newspaper I've ever read. Okay, they they yep. they cover sports so well. So I got I got in the habit of of, of uh, looking at it, and I followed that from from the beginning, like you said. And boy, they got blasted by the the you know the the uh, main news media. Nobody believed it. This was nonsense. Whatever it is now, all of a sudden. Um, it, because I think it was the Wall Street Journal or, or somebody that said, yes, this was this was true, I think, Bob. Um, and it, started, then, it started with the New York Times of all of all. Uh, yeah, outlets. yeah, it was the Times of the Journal. I knew that. But anyway, uh, it, it's it's always interesting reading. I'll tell you that. Uh, it certainly is. Now, I, I think one uh, narrative is that right now they think they're going to indict Hunter. Uh, Biden. Right. And uh, so therefore, they're just trying to position the president in the best possible light in order to deal with this circumstance. The other right. narrative that's interesting, though, is that uh, right now he's so unpopular that the Democrats are saying, you know, boss, we're done with this guy and they want to get rid of him. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what the what the worst alternative is, though. That's the, that's the issue. But yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> well, time time will tell. Meanwhile, back to the local level politics, yeah, what's... Always, always fun and exciting. Uh, never know what's coming next. Well, they postponed the hospital again yesterday. Yeah, they um, they decided that now it's time to have some staff meetings and whatever. Which is, Bob, what the hell have they been doing from for the last three months? Uh, I I have no idea. Um, but they they seem to have a focus now everybody seems to want the hospital we don't know what council members don't yet um but uh, mayor heitman yesterday said well i think we need we need to move this project going um uh and uh i either she just came out of the ether or something but um 
they were they've been trying but one hand tells the other doesn't tell the other what they're doing so i think maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll see some progress being made on that one way or the other okay it, you know it's only fair i mean we're talking about a, a, a huge expense for the city and there's some i guess some variances that they're looking for in terms of the height of the a new yeah. heart center so but you know what yes or no what's the deal i mean there's a lot of money that's being tied up and just waiting like this so uh yes. why, why can't they just make a decision but bob here's the simple the, 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 if there is a simple thing here it is the city council <laughs> passed an ordinance well way back i guess in june or whatever it was a long time ago saying that the hospital where the hospital is could be zoned a hospital zone okay and mm -hmm. they 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 didn't have to adhere to the exact height that it was, the 42 feet or what have you, okay? Mm -hmm. That they could they could, they could, could uh, make it a little larger if they needed to. They passed that ordinance, Bob. That's done. Now what they're doing and what the controversy has been is the fact that they have de put a motion on the table that they want to deny it. They want to take it back. Uh, huh. and, and people are saying, oh, we don't, want to, we don't want to do this. So they want to repeal that ordinance. And so that's what it's been. And I kept thinking and keep thinking that it's going to be on the agenda. And everybody says, yes, come down. you got to speak up for the hospital like yesterday. Um, you know, they had said, everybody come out for the hospital. And then the other issue before we run out of time, which will be shortly, was um, so they decided, well, they're going to work on that. And But they never did mention, as far as I know yesterday, I did not watch the whole thing. Um, they did not bring up the fact, well, okay, let's put this uh, ordinance thing that we're going to repeal away because that still has not been mentioned, um, and that's still a big issue. Then we've got the police. I don't know if you've followed a little bit of that. No, I haven't heard about it. Oh, yeah. they, they At the last minute, uh, two nights ago, uh, before the council meeting, uh, they had an executive session, and uh, they denied it to deny to deny to den to, to deny the uh our police officers um uh contract what <laughs> that they had worked on and said yes everything is good but they had the police had put something in there about pension um which of course goes with a you know it usually goes with a package and they negotiate and whatever but they put something in there um that they could come back and do a um uh, a reopener and have to do with pension and and council said no we don't want anything to do with that. And so the contract got turned down. Now, the, the, the end of the story of right now is the fact that we have nine police officers that are looking to move on for better jobs and better pay. OK, um, we are short. I think we're, we're short as it is now. Hmm. And how are you going to get good people to come work for you for low pay? We are the second lowest paid uh, for our district or for our, our um, size uh, I think it pretty much in the state of Florida, certainly around here. Um, and it just can't happen. This is Naples, Florida, and this is what you and I are here for so that we get up at, in the morning and we're protected and uh, we can walk our streets at night with our pets and animals and not worry about it. And um, this is not looking good, Bob. This yeah. bothers me a lot. It bothers me as well. I'm also bothered by the fact that the uh, city council made a decision and now they want to take the decision back with regard to that's just that's just stupid. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just all kinds of things. The new city manager starts on May 1st. OK. Uh -huh. um, I don't know. Um, they seem to be holding things back for him. Uh, and I I uh, imagine he'll he'll try and jump right in. But I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really know the people or anything and he'll get to know some. So uh we'll we'll find out what goes on there bill i just really appreciate this commentary here on the show i uh, really appreciate it thank you so much for joining us hey bob my pleasure to speak to you next week look forward to it thank you bill well that's a wrap here on today's show i hope you enjoyed it i certainly did i learned a lot uh next tomorrow we're going to visit with uh, larry bell endowed professor at the university of houston and uh, author written several books We'll also visit with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute, and Michael Cannon. He's the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the shows, please please tell your friends. We appreciate, uh, and our, our advertisers appreciate the exposure and the opportunity to uh, tell our story. 
I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.